Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Are you a lover or a hater of Valentine's Day? In my house, we don't put too much emphasis on the day that says that we have to show each other how much we love each other, but we still buy the cards, we go to dinner, you know, we keep the flame going. But what about when it comes to couples and money? Now that is a sticky conversation. 
Casey and Megan Caston, the creators of Marriage 365, are here to share their real-life story of battling through $200,000 in debt, almost getting divorced, to now running a thriving business, all about succeeding as a couple. You're listening to Millennial Money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Compton-Gain, where we flip the script on the old-school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna, money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. You're already one of our biggest fans of the pod, but I want to invite you to go deeper behind the scenes with me every single month. Get all the scoops on what I'm loving, catch up on popular podcast episodes, and check out a video with a money tip in each monthly email delivered straight to your inbox. Plus, since I'm a big fan of having dessert first, I'm going to send you an exclusive bonus podcast episode, five minutes to recite your money mindset when you sign up as an added treat. Head over to mmoneypodcast.com and enter your email address in the box on the homepage to sign up. Again, that's mmoneypodcast.com. I can't wait to see you behind the scenes. My therapist once told me that the two most common reasons couples come to see her are about sex and money. What is it about relationships that makes money so difficult? I mean, I can't tell you how many times I played the role of therapist working with couples, and I've seen some super nasty fights, divorce threats, throwing things, tons of name calling, all with me right in the room. I'm not a big fan of conflict, so those moments really tested my abilities to remain calm. But here's the deal. We all come to a relationship with our set of ideas, beliefs, and thoughts about money, but instead of sharing those in a respectful way, we tend to blame the other person for having the wrong set of ideas, beliefs, and thoughts about money. If I have learned anything over the last 15 years working in finance, it's that relationships require partnership to succeed with this money stuff. Casey and Megan have such a great story of going to the brink of divorce and fighting their way back and then building a desire to help other couples get through those same moments without breaking up. So on the week of Valentine's Day, I want you to hear the story and be inspired to not let money be the thing that brings your relationship down. Here we go. So Casey and Megan, I am so excited to have you join us on the podcast today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having us. We're excited and we're not always excited to talk about money, (laughs) but you know, we've learned a lot along the way. And so we're glad to be here. I I love that honesty. (laughs) Oh, you will get honesty in this next 30 minutes. Yeah, you will. (laughs) Well, I want to start off with a little bit of a bang and you guys probably have so much information about marriage. We could probably spend hours and days and weeks talking about it. But I'm curious, what do you think is the number one key to keep a marriage thriving? How do you do that? 
Okay. Well, our business name is Marriage 365. And it actually came from the fact that we really believe that you have to be intentional 365 days a year. Like there's no vacation for marriage. You just have to put a little bit of effort in every day. And it seems to be something that really, really works and that we have found to be true in our own marriage. Yeah. For me, I think it's all about cultivating friendships. You know, you start off dating as friends and then somehow we shift our identity when we get married. So when I think about married couples that are really thriving, they're dating each other. They're flirting with each other. Mm. They're very curious about one another. And and you see this pursuit of one another that's really, really attractive. So could you say, babe, that they're being intentional? <laughs> well, remember, <laughs> we were thinking about calling it before we called it marriage. Yeah. 60, intentional marriages. Yeah, that's thank, true. Thank God we didn't though. Yeah. <laughs> Worked out. I like Marriage 365 better. I do too. So I would imagine then, I like that idea of, of your, your friends first. And I think we, when we're in marriage, we tend to forget that sometimes, especially in those heated moments where you certainly maybe don't feel like friends, uh, that I, I love you, but maybe I don't like you right in this instant, uh, those kind of moments. So I would imagine that the reverse of that, like where does it go wrong for most couples? Is it the same sort of things that they forget a lot of those elements or maybe they're just not being connected with their spouse or their partner or whatever that might be for them? Absolutely. You know, I we would always say that busyness is the number one killer of marriage. I think a lot of people go on autopilot. Uh opposite of obviously being intentional. They continue to grow in their career. They have kids, they watch TV, um, nothing necessarily bad, but then they just kind of slowly grow apart. And that disconnection causes a lot of loneliness. And they look back over the five, 10, 20 years of marriage and go, I don't even know you anymore. Yeah. They they feel like they're more like roommates now. Absolutely. It seems harder to work on the marriage when you're at that point versus that being intentional and making sure that you're, you know, yeah, going on date nights, pursuing each other, communicating every day. And I think, too, there's a lack of education. I think that, you know, at the end of the day, school doesn't teach you how to do marriage the healthy way. Rarely (laughs) do we have parents that teach us and model what healthy married behavior looks like. And so we go into marriage very blindly, hoping that love will be enough and and it's not enough. And you really have to educate yourself on how to have a healthy marriage. I, I think there's like this myth that if it's, if love will just win out and, you know, we're just going to do our best. And I, I have to say with marriage, hope is definitely not a strategy. You can't just hope your way through and be a great couple. So you do have to educate yourself. You do have to learn. And I think culture really does a damaging, uh, plays a damaging role in teaching us what's the truth about love. You know, you watch sitcoms and it's always like these poor examples of what a husband and a man's supposed to be. Uh, you know, we live in a hookup culture where, you know, it's fast, quick, easy transactions. Uh, you don't have to get into conversations about money. You don't have to talk about your sex life or parenting or schedules. And I think culture sets up a really bad expectation for us of like, you know, we watch The Bachelor or we watch these rom-coms and everybody, you know, at the very end, everybody's laughing and smiling. And, you know, that doesn't show the hard work that it takes to make a relationship work. Yes, exactly. I have to uh I have a have to admit a probably like dirty secret that 
I have become, I don't want to use the word addicted because that's probably a little bit too strong, but I have been known to watch that show, uh, Married at First Sight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it is just like so fascinating. I think for me that people would just, decide to turn to some experts to get married, which is really, I guess, how they done it in other cultures, you know, the arranged marriages or whatnot. But you watch these couples have this wedding and then the couple months after it's this like unraveling process where they realize like, wow, you actually did need time to kind of cultivate a relationship with someone before you just jump in there. Absolutely. The, the friendship is the core, right? And they didn't really have that friendship. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, and you another thing that you said, Megan, that really stood out to me. You talked about marriage and how we don't really learn it from our from our parents, uh, our family units. We kind of observe what they do, but it's this thing that maybe we don't talk about how to have a great relationship or marriage. And I see so many similarities to money. I always say like money is this thing. We don't talk about it. It's like this taboo topic. And somehow we're just supposed to like organically know what to do with our money. And and that's crazy. And, and yeah. no, I know that you probably have a lot of statistics on this, but uh, I know from my own therapist that there are two reasons primarily for divorce, and they tend to be sex and money. Um, mm. And I, I'm going to keep my toes out of, out of the sex, <laughs> not my expertise. <laughs> but I'd love to dive into the money a little bit from like your standpoint. What are some of the reasons that you think most couples like fight about money or money tends to be this really sticky point in relationships. Okay. So I told you, you were going to get some honesty. So uh -huh. what I really love is that you asked us to talk about money because I think people listening need to know that we failed miserably and didn't talk about our money and got ourselves into $200,000 of debt by wow. year three of marriage. Yeah. So we have had to learn the hard way. And so we are in that cat. We were, excuse me, in that category of not knowing how to talk about money and fighting about money. So if someone is listening, they could find hope like, wow, well, if this couple could figure it out, honestly, you can too. Um, and so I would definitely say, yes, a lack of education. You know, Casey and I, our parents, they didn't really teach us about money. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't sh say like, here's how you budget your money. Here's how you save. Here's how much you should donate and give. We were never taught that. And then you go to college. I feel like it should be mandatory, right? Yes. Like, financial 101 class. And we didn't take that. So we just, again, kind of went into it thinking, well, we'll be fine because we're both working and we're both making money. And so we really, really fought a lot because one, a lack of education. And then babe, I'm sure that you could probably say a few other things of why couples fight, why we fought about marriage. Yeah. Well, I mean, about money, excuse me. I mean, I, I think the biggest thing that we got ourselves entangled was just a lack of accountability. A, a great story that happened in our early part of our marriage was, you know, I, I surf all the time. And so, um, I think I was asking Megan if I could buy a wetsuit and she was like, no, we don't have them enough money. And I was like, whatever. She doesn't know what she's <laughs> talking about. So I go out and I buy a wetsuit and my buddy comes over that night and I, I'm like, Hey, let's go down to the garage. And I show him my wetsuit that I just got. So he walks upstairs. Of course, I didn't tell him, like, don't say anything to Megan. He bursts through the door. He's like, hey, Megan, what do you think of Casey's new wetsuit? And I was like, oh, and then oh got no. I got totally caught. And, you know, I think the, the reason why a lot of couples fight is because there there isn't 
with money, it's like a principle behind marriage. It's like, are you willing to be accountable for your actions? Are you willing to be accountable for your spending? And accountability has a huge play into building trust or destroying trust in a relationship. Couples that are not willing to be accountable tend to have a, a low trust marriage. It's true. It's absolutely and, true. And that's, I mean, obviously, we always tell couples, you got to join accounts. And we yes. hear... Because we, we do a lot of couples coaching, and all the time we hear couples complaining about this lack of accountability because they do have separate accounts. And I think it's one thing, you know, I think it's one thing if someone's got terrible credit and there's a lot of debt, and, you know, that's another conversation. But overall, I think a lot of people, when it comes to money and marriage, they want independence. They want, I make my money and I get to do whatever I want with my money and you make your money and you get to do whatever you want, that lack of accountability. But there's no team in that. There's yeah. no, there's no study that shows that that's actually good for marriage. You know, it says that the wealthiest couples actually work together right. and it doesn't even matter how much money you make. They just work together as a team. Everything in marriage is teamwork, right? It should be including your budget, including money. And so, yeah, absolutely. it's almost like a power play that couples make in their marriage, like, well, I make more money, so I get right. to spend it however I want to. And I have discretionary income. So, you know, suck it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always say when I was practicing financial planner, when I was working with couples, I was far more of a, of a therapist than I was actually giving them money tips because that yeah. trend of, of, well, I still want to be individual and you can still be individual, but in a system that's healthy in a partnership that is healthy where there is that accountability. And I think it's, it's finding that, that balance that is so key, but I'm, I'm really curious. So Megan, you, you shared that about, about your debt and, uh, th those early years in your marriage. So what did you guys do? Like, how did you have that wake up moment and, and how did you get, get out of that and like cultivate a healthy then relationship around money? Well, well I took away her credit card oh. <laughs> <laughs> and she actually, she took and mine I, too. Yeah, and I took away yours. <laughs> <laughs> we cut up the credit cards. No, uh, you know, I'm sure you've heard the saying, I don't know if it's really a saying, but our, our, financial advisors just a couple months ago reminded us, you know, your money problems will eventually catch up to you. Like you can't escape them, even if you yes. want to. At one point, obviously with the debt and living paycheck to paycheck, living above our means, like we just, we, it just caught up to us. And so, um, we heard about this guy, which I'm sure you've heard of. His name is Dave Ramsey. Um, and he has these baby steps, you know, and the first baby step we did was to get a thousand dollar emergency fund. I mean, we were at a point where if we needed to like get a crown replaced or if we got a flat tire, like we wouldn't have been, been able to afford it. And so having that emergency fund was key. And then of course we went to his next step, which is getting out of debt, which, you know, when you have $200,000 of debt, it's a long yes. and overwhelming process to even think about doing, but oh man, it's motivating once you pay off that first credit card. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, there's a lot of nights of uh, mac and cheese. So yeah, <laughs> sacrifices, you know, old cars, things like that. Yeah, we got rid of the leased car, you know, and you just really start writing everything down um, of what you spend, what money's going in, what money's going out. But and we were doing better in our marriage. And I think the thing that was really encouraging was we were both encouraging each other in these moments of sacrifice to go, you know what, it's going to pay off in the long run. And that's 
that happened for us. It took us three years, two yeah. months, and like 18 days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I picked up, I started officiating weddings and, and we got side jobs. I would babysit. I mean, and we had a, a newborn at this time. And so, you know, you, I wanted to be a stay at home mom. I had to go back to work, but you make it, you make it work. And we've been debt free is how long has it been? I think eight years. Yeah. Actually, I don't even know, but it's been a long time and it feels good. Very good. And we run our business debt-free as well, too. I think that there's a couple of things that helped us out along the way that we we started to problem solve. Like, hey, how are we how are we gonna maintain being debt-free and really taking ownership of our finances? And Megan and I actually do a weekly marriage business meeting. I, it sounds it sounds nerdy, but it's really cool. It is. Um, we, I mean, we go through some of the logistics of just running the family with two kids and running our business of just what's the family schedule look like? You know, do we have date nights on the calendar? Uh, this, we, is, this is a time when we do meal planning. Meal planning, we yeah. ended up saving about $1,500 a year Wow! Just, uh, just by meal planning. Who's cooking what meal, making a grocery list, and then Casey's not allowed to go to the grocery store. <laughs> Because if he goes, he buys chocolate covered everything. Damn you, <laughs> And so, you know, we, we stick to the meal plan and we don't go out to eat if we can't afford it and things like that. And, and we do this on a weekly basis. We do it every Sunday night at 9 p.m. We sit down and it's really gotten us on the same page specifically with our finances. That's so amazing. Yeah, I'm a big advocate of those nerdy meetings. Uh, <laughs> I run a business with with my spouse as well. But regardless of whether that happens or not, I say even if you're single, you can have these kind of check-in times and scheduling it and, and making it turn it into something that's fun rather than all the negativity that's associated with money. And then I think when you add another person in there, it gets even more complex. So if yeah. you can if you can do these and you can have fun with them and and they can become a priority. I think like you guys have just said, I mean it, it all these steps like dramatically has changed your life. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's motivating obviously when you sit down and you reach a goal and I think that if it's something that someone is very fearful of or they're like, "Ah, it's boring," give yourself a fun reward. Like <laughs> if we make this goal, if we hit this target, you'll buy then- a piece of lingerie. <laughs> Okay, what's your reward? That's my reward. I thought you were going to say, I thought, I thought you were going to say. I caught say, you way off guard on that one. You did. I thought you were going to say, I could buy another wetsuit. Okay. <laughs> or like, hey, let's give each other a 10-minute sh- shoulder massage. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> or, or, I like the lingerie one. Or, hey, let's go out to eat to this new restaurant that opened because we can and we budgeted for it. So you can even make it fun. It doesn't have to be boring. We can start talking about sex if you want. Right, right. We can go there, right? Casey, I love, Casey, that you win in in either of these reward scenarios. So that's fantastic. (laughs) So I'm super curious, how did you go from like getting married and just, you know, raising a family and obviously like pulling yourself out of debt, all of those sorts of things, and then say like, okay, we actually want to start a company, Marriage 365, like around marriage and you're in that all day long, every day. What was that decision process? How'd you get there? Yeah. So we were college sweethearts. Um, we dated, everything was super fun. Uh, once we got married, all of our baggage from our childhood kind of came to the surface. In fact, between both sets of our parents, there's 12 marriages. Wow. So we grew up in a lot of chaos, divorce, blended families, 
affairs. It was, it was all of that. And so when we met the exhilarating feeling of being in love, I thought was just enough. And this is how it's going to be like forever. I was like, this is amazing. And then we sprinted uh, pretty much to the brink of divorce by year three. I mean, we hated each other. And we had that $200,000 of debt, yes. which was very stressful, we were, very stressful. We were struggling with infertility. Um, I couldn't get my career up and going. I mean, there was... He's got crazy parents. Yeah, I've uh, got crazy parents. <laughs> <laughs> Full and disclosure, right? <laughs> and we just, we ha- what happened was we walked in with all these unrealistic expectations that just blew up in our face. And what happened was we started watching all of our friends unravel in their marriage too. And it was just kind of all around us. And I think there was a point where, you know, Megan's kind of the hero of the story for our marriage because she was like, you know what? I've had enough of you. I need to get myself healthy. I need to make a better me to make a better marriage. And she went to counseling. She she got herself surrounded with some healthy friends. And I kind of toted along about nine months later. It took me a while um, to say, you know, I saw this change in her, this growth that I wanted. And I, I wanted to experience myself. And while we sprinted to the divorce within three years, it took us a while to get back up on track and uh, our friends started noticing a change in us and they knew how messy we were and the screaming matches, everything. And they were like, what, what's changed with you guys? And we realized as we started sharing our story that people were, were drawn towards this, this change in us and they wanted to know what we were doing. And I think that we, we realized as we were trying to research on how to turn your marriage around, there wasn't a lot of great and affordable resources. Mm, um, yeah. Here we are talking about money. I mean, marriage counseling is expensive. It's worth every penny. But guess what? When you're in $200,000 of debt, yeah. you don't have money to pay for marriage. I mean, most people just can't afford counseling. And that was something for us that really bothered us that we didn't like about the world. And so we started Marriage 365. We wanted to provide affordable online resources, practical resources for couples in all countries, no matter their religious beliefs, no matter their age, um, no matter what they believed in, but they but they do believe in love and they want to succeed in relationships. And that's really how we started Marriage 365. I'm sorry, but I have the best dog ever. Her name is Winnie Stardust. She is a mini golden mountain doodle full of life, and I would do just about anything to keep her happy, healthy, and safe. Today's episode is sponsored by the ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program. Your pet is part of your family and you want to do the best for them, but vet bills can really add up. We jokingly keep telling Winnie she needs to get a job to pay for her vet bill. That's why you should check out pet insurance. And with ASPCA Pet Health Insurance, you can focus on the care your pet deserves and cover what matters most. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customized accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. They allow you to customize your plan, helping to ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are. Because vet bills can really add up, especially when you are least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. 
To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independent American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer, is not engaged in the business of insurance. In those moments when money is just not moving as fast as your dreams, Earnit provides the financial momentum you need to keep moving forward. Earnit is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnit app and verify your paycheck. Then you access up to $100 a day as you work and you can leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I honestly would use Earnin in lots of different ways, but what's on my mind recently is I need a night out. I need some good tacos to sip on a few virgin margaritas and celebrate you all helping this podcast earn 26 million downloads. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. Gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin' Money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin' Money under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited, and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. 
That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash ETM for your extended 30-day free trial. We've got another Ask Shauna, and this one comes from Danica. Hey, Shauna, you rock. Love the show, and I recently went all the way back to the beginning and worked my way through the catalog. I feel really inspired to tackle money and also think about it from a better money mindset. In fact, my sister was like, what in the world happened to you? You're paying off debt, happy about money, making your money moves. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I am. Anyway, taxes are coming up and I'm expecting a return. What are some of the best things in your opinion I can do with my return rather than just spending it like I have in the past? Thanks so much for being my friend on my daily commute and hanging out with me. It's like we're best friends and you don't even know it. (laughs) Danica, I love this. Thank you so much for sending in your question. Yeah, I guess we are kind of like best friends and I'm really happy to hear this. Hey, invite your sister in. Tell her why she should be listening so she can also make the same money moves you're making. So taxes, they're coming up right here in the U.S., fast and furious before we know it. I feel like this time comes so fast every year. Like it's April and literally I blink my eyes and it's April again. So no matter where you live, the same thing applies to any situation when you're going to come into some extra money. Maybe you're inheriting money or you're getting a bonus from work or maybe your tax return. It doesn't matter what it is. The same sort of methodology works. So here are some places that I tend to start. So number one, do you have at least three months of expenses saved in some sort of interest-bearing account? Now, I'm not just talking about your bank savings account. It needs to be a savings account that is earning a higher rate than your bank savings account. But worst case scenario, the focus is on three months of expenses saved. Now, if you're only at one month, then why not try to get to two or try to get to three? If you're at three, what's the harm in maybe saving four or five or even six just to have that extra safety net? I can't tell you how many times cash has been the lifesaver. Having cash really is king. 
And there's no way to get around that statement. So building up some sort of nice cash supply is important, but you also need to know when to say, okay, I have got enough cash built up. Now it's time to do a few other things on my money to-do list. So we tend to get in the habit of just saving, saving, saving. And the problem with that is that your money is not keeping up with inflation. It's not growing. It's not going anywhere. So we want to build that safety net, but then we want to go out from that. I hope that makes sense. Number two is, do you have any high interest debt that you need to pay off? So look at that. If your debt is above, I tend to say around 7%, everybody's going to have a different number. But to me, that's really the pain point number. If your debt is above that, then really work to get that debt paid off because the interest on that debt is just causing you to owe more and more money. Number three, are you contributing up to your match in a 401k or putting money into a Roth IRA or an IRA? This is also important because remember, we're talking about how do we grow our money from that safety net that we've built. We need to be able to take on some risk to grow our money. And everybody's going to have a different risk tolerance. Everyone's going to feel different about losing money. I mean, who really likes to lose money? (laughs) I don't. I hate going to Las Vegas for the sole purpose that... I do not like to lose money. Everyone says, but you could actually win money. I I know, but I hate losing money. So my point is, can you increase your contribution percentage? A half a percentage, a quarter percentage, a full percentage, whatever you can do. It's just more money that's going to the pot that's growing for you. Number four, have you taken care of any money risks you might have, like needing life insurance or getting a will or a healthcare directive or renter's insurance or better car insurance plan, et cetera? Survey what's going on in your world and see where there might be some cracks, where there might be some risk that you're exposed to. Can you shore some of those up with your return? Do not forget about the risk because these are the things that are going to help you in those moments when you really need them. Number five, what about investing? Investing beyond your retirement account. If you've done all of these steps and you're like, yeah, Sean, I've done this, like what else? Look at investing, broaden your your reach. Maybe it's real estate investing, maybe it's stock investing. I don't know what it is for you, but grow outward, right? It's all about these different buckets of wealth. How many different buckets of wealth can you grow? That way you don't just rely on one bucket of wealth. And number six, of course, is have a little fun with a percentage of your money. Now, Danica, I know you said that in the past you spent a lot of the refund that you got, and that's normal. Most people do that. There's nothing wrong with it, of course. But I would say allocate a percentage. Maybe it's 2% or 5%, whatever you feel comfortable with, 10%, just not the whole amount. Take at least half of the refund and put it towards some of the things that I talked about. Take the other half and do as you want with it, right? You gotta have a little fun with this stuff. So that is a laundry list that I always go down when I come into money. Start with your first priority of having that cash set aside for emergencies and then work down the list when you feel like you haven't given enough attention to certain areas in the past. So I hope that helps, Danica, and keep up your awesome, awesome work. Listen, if you haven't asked Sean a question, head on over to the link in the show notes or to our podcast hub, mmoneypodcast.com, right on the homepage. You can fill in your Ask Shauna question because I cannot wait to hear from you. 
Wow, that's like a phenomenal story. So did you start out just with a blog or with a product or did you test this on your friends to start out? Like how did you how did you how did you inch your way into it? We, we always our poor friends. No, they're good sports. We always test it on our friends. Um we did test it on our friends, but we actually started out as a Facebook page back in, was it 2013? Yeah. I think it was 2013. And one follower grew to 10,000 followers. And now we're, I don't even know, 500,000 followers plus something like that. And then we started a blog and then it was like, well, let's start an Instagram and, oh, let's write a book and let's do this. And so we reached 3 million people each week around the world um, with our resources. And um, it's been incredible to see the need and also to to know that we are obviously making an impact because I do think I will say like working together. Yes, a lot of a lot of couples actually shouldn't work together. That do FYI. That can <laughs> correct, be whole, correct. That can be a whole another podcast, by the way. Working together as a married couple. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's the majority of couples actually shouldn't. What's really interesting about Casey and I is that we are more different than alike. But in business, our differences are needed for our business. Mm. And where we are similar, it is our core value systems where we are similar. So we want to do good in the world. Like that drives us to do what we want to do. So every morning we wake up and we're like, how can we save a marriage? How can we help someone become more self-aware? And we both share that value. And so it's interesting. Um, we, I mean, yeah, we work together, well, I, but we also talk about marriage and we're married. It can get complicated for sure. It's we've, we, we've talked about, there's, there's no boundary with marriage 365 in our personal lives because we're married couples talking about marriage and our business is marriage and we do it together it, it is, it's a, it's a, a tangled mess. But the one thing that's been really <laughs> helpful in our conversation, just working together is knowing our lanes, you know, Ooh, yeah. knowing, you know, what, who's doing what, who's covering what, and who's good at what, and really supporting each other in those lanes. Um, and I, th- I think I will say like, if someone's listening and they're, they're working with their spouse, if Casey says something, I'll actually ask him, do you want me to be your wife or do you <laughs> want me to be your business partner? And that phrase has saved us from so many fights because I'm assuming if we're talking about work, he wants me as a business partner, but sometimes he's like, I actually just need that empathetic validation right now. I don't need you to fix it. I don't need us to brainstorm ideas. Like, I just need I just, you to tell you, tell me how proud you are. Yeah. Like I just need you. <laughs> and so even saying before a conversation, this is what I need from you right now has been really helpful. Okay. We can talk about that another time, but I had to say that because it's been really helpful for yeah. us. That's actually really good advice. I think I'm going to start uh, implementing that because we have had some, you know, situations where, uh, you know, there are moments of breakdown and uh, it's like, well, would you talk to your business partner like this? I'm like, well, but you're also my spouse. So it it gets really complex. <laughs> it does. It's absolutely complex. But I love that idea you were talking about uh, your lanes. And I think we can relate that to marriage, of course, to money, to almost any subject, you know, really knowing your lane, knowing your strength. And I'm kind of curious if you guys have any practical tips, like for people in different stages of of marriage, whether they're engaged or newlywed early years, or maybe they've been married for for quite a while, like, are there any steps where you can know your lane and also cultivate um, a healthy marriage and and really continue to to make it grow, if that makes sense? Yeah, well, and I it's when you were talking about lanes and then I was talking thinking about money, <laughs> there was a so I 
watched my father manage the finances in my family. And so I thought like my manly duty was to manage the finances. And that's definitely not my lane. And <laughs> so I started paying all the bills our first couple months of marriage. And one day Megan and I are sitting down watching a movie and all of a sudden the lights turned off. Oh yeah. And, and she's like, uh, what was that all about? I'm like, I have no idea. Come oh, find no. out. I forgot to pay the electrical bill. But that's because I also have ADHD and consistency is definitely not my number one strength. And so, you know, it was, again, money became an opportunity for us to express like, hey, this is not my lane. Can you help me out with this? Is this something that you can take on and work to each other's strengths? So I would say for engaged couples, babe, we could yeah. probably say this together. Yep. Do, Do premarital, premarital counseling. counseling. Absolutely. If you are an engaged couple, you have an 80% chance of making it and thriving if you do premarital education. And it's so sad how few people do yeah. and invest in their relationship before they get married. So they, Why they is that? Up. Is there a reason why? Is there is it is it just around fear or... There's a few reasons why. One is they're so focused on the wedding. Mm -hmm. It's become more about the wedding and less about the marriage. I'm sure you know this yes. is one of the statistics on how much people spend on a wedding. Over $30,000 is, the, is average. the average American wedding. Yeah. And that's that, crazy. That just, and, and of course, many of them go into debt for it. And that's just, you know, it's for one day. And I get it. It's your wedding. But your marriage has to be way more important than and, a wedding day. And of course, I'd have to say, we believe in that so much. We actually created an online course called Happily Ever After. And it's, it is a premarital course. It's just given basics for couples that are walking into marriage. Because a lot of, so, and I think another, a, a big reason why a lot of people don't want to do premarital counseling is it takes a lot of work to find a counselor, hence mm. the online course we created. And also it's expensive. Again, it goes back to the cost. If you, if you don't value your relationship a lot, you're not going to put money towards it, right? True. And you have to look at it as an investment. You get a return on an investment. It's not an expense. A wedding is an expense, but premarital education is an investment. It's like insurance. And I think too, underneath all of it, a lot of people are very afraid that through the counseling or through the education, they're going to find out some secrets. They're going to think like, oh no, we're going to have to postpone the wedding because there's an issue. And so we would always say, part of the premarital education is to definitely not ignore any red flags because they will come out later on. Better to deal with them before you get married. It doesn't necessarily mean that you shouldn't get married. It just means that this is an issue in your relationship that needs to be dealt with and, and there needs to be a plan in place before you get married. Um, yeah. So I hope that helps. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think you brought up a good point because when you're doing premarital, I did premarital counseling and when you're doing it, you have to ask certain questions and you have to be, um, okay with whatever the answers are. And I find the same parallel with money. There's some people will get to, we've been married for a year and we, we still haven't talked about money. I'm like, wait, wait a minute. You don't know how much money your spouse makes or wait, wait, wait a minute. Like, this is crazy. This can't be, this can't be true. But, uh, but yeah, I think there's just so much stigma over, over exposing yourself. But, but again, that goes back to the partnership element. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And I also think that for newlyweds, you know, I think it's really important that those first couple of years of your, your marriage really set the tone moving forward. You have to create healthy habits then when it comes to everything, sex, money, boundaries, you know, um, careers, all of it, it, those habits can make or break your marriage. I mean, the average marriage lasts four to seven years, right? So the newlyweds aren't succeeding that we're finding because they're they're getting really comfortable really quickly. And then they realize, like Casey and I did, oh, crap, love isn't enough. And so it's important to just go, wait, we have to keep being intentional 365 days a year. So when you talk about habits, like just give me a couple examples, like what kind of habits would you establish as a couple when you are in, in the newlywed phase? So definitely a weekly date night, whether it's in home or out of the home. Uh, the the weekly marriage business meeting is something that we teach our premarital couples as well. Um, just having that weekly meeting, I think also too, uh, just really making sure that you're talking, that you're talking about everything, and that you're giving yourself time to talk. And then I think the other thing would be you need to make sure that you get really good at dealing with conflict <laughs> and. Again, that that comes back to education. So whether that's reading a book, we have a monthly membership on our site. Um, if it's you know listening to your podcast, um, just really educating yourself on how can we deal with our issues when they come up? Because a lot of times couples avoid them, thinking that they're keeping the peace, but they're not. Same with money, right? Let's avoid sure. it. But it's going to come out. And the longer you wait, the uglier and messier it's going to get. And so creating those times, if it's once a week or once a month to say, okay, let's talk about, let's do a check-in. We call it like a monthly check-in. So what were we good at this last month? What can we celebrate? Um, what were some of the things that we weren't great at that we could improve on? Hey, in this next month, what's a personal goal that you have? How can we connect emotionally this upcoming month, right? And you just talk about all these areas. Again, we have like so many worksheets um, as part of our membership at Marriage 365 that give you all these questions because we understand it's really hard to come up with this plan. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, those are kind of some of the habits that I could just off the yeah, top of my head. those are great. No, those are great. And then what about, I don't want to spend too much more time on this, but I'm curious that kind of like middle phase in marriage where maybe you've been married like five years-ish plus and it's, it's, you're out of the newlywed, but you're, you're, you know, you're in the like serious doing life phase where I feel like a lot of couples can get disconnected. How can you continue to cultivate that connection? Is it just by like keeping up with these habits or are there other daily practices maybe you should think about? Yeah. So, you know, when you introduce a child the first time into a relationship in your marriage, it, it, there's a low satisfaction rate um, that happens pretty quickly because all of a sudden now you're focused on the kid priorities shift. So I, I think it's, it is important for people to continue to maintain their marriage. The, the, the couples that we get in our, on our counseling co uh, couch <laughs> are the couples that have neglected the daily maintenance. Like, like what Megan was saying with those habits, it, it's just like the same thing. You wouldn't like stop putting oil in changing oil in your car. Right. Otherwise you have a very expensive bill at the end. So it's these regular maintenance pieces that are really important. One of the things I love uh, 
because I'm a words of affirmation kind of guy anyways, is the 60 second blessing. It's something that I love teaching couples. It's just spending 60 seconds affirming each other on their attributes, what they've accomplished, um, what you love about their body, what you love about them. And it's just, those are simple ways. Again, going all the way back to the very beginning, we talked about friendship, right? Friends affirm each other. Friends pursue each other. And I think friends are very curious about each other. And what happens is we kind of get too comfortable. And too busy. Yeah, we get too comfortable with each other. So we stop asking those same questions when we were dating. That's one of the reasons why we wrote um, our book, 365 Connecting Questions for Couples. It's a daily question that allows you to talk about things like, you know, what was your childhood like? And, you know, what are some boundaries? Um, there's sex questions. There's money questions. There's questions that are just for fun. These questions engage each other and allow you to get to know each other. And help you connect on an emotional level. Because I think that, you know, you're building your careers in those I would say in the, you know, year one to like year 10, typically couples are having children. They're busy growing their careers. They don't have as much money because they're busy, you know, and making sure that you fight for 20 minutes a night to connect emotionally, give your, give each other grace will really help keep you solid. Um, and no matter what comes your way, you'll still feel like you're a team. And don't forget the sex. <laughs> We're, we're coming back to the lingerie, right, Casey? Yes. <laughs> yes. And in that, Don't forget to invest in lingerie. And, and it's in, not an expense, okay? Did you hear me? And in that, Megan? And in that season, I think, too, being okay with quickies. Yeah, that's right. Because yeah. I think that that's, that's the, the, the also thing. Like, if you have young kids and you're building a career, like, you don't have 45 minutes to an hour to enjoy sex. Like, you got five minutes, and five minutes but is better than nothing. You said something really good about emotional intimacy because that is really the core of a thriving marriage is, is couples that are emotionally intimate. And the number one way to build emotional intimacy is actually asking these open-ended questions because they show the desire and pursuit that you Absolutely. have for one another. Wow. Yeah, I love that. Well, I'm just kind of curious. Like, we've talked about so much but at the end of the day, we, we all can admit that marriage can be tricky, but it also can be amazing and wonderful and blessing, whatever word you want to fill in there. But what is like one thing that I'm listening to this episode? What is one thing that I should remember about marriage, like especially in those tough situations, those tough seasons? It's hard to say one thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, Give me a couple. Um, because we, because we've been there, right? Like we wanted a divorce. Well, I wanted a divorce more than he did. But um, here, here's what I would say. Once you go through the obstacles and it's hard and it's painful and it's frustrating, you're so much stronger on the other end, on the other side. And it's interesting because um, divorced, there was a study done where divorced people were asked, um, you know, all these different questions about their marriage. And the number one thing that always stuck out to me about this, the study that said 65% of divorced people admitted that they didn't try hard enough and that they live with regret. Like, I wish I could have gone to counseling. I wish I would have tried harder. I wish I wouldn't have given up as quickly. And wow. I think that that's really telling that that's how many people are living with regret. And um, it's not to say that divorce isn't an option because sometimes it is. But I do believe with all my heart, and I know, babe, you say this too, that marriage is supposed to make you a healthier person, a more self-aware person. You 
do need to be accountable for actions and you should be working through issues. And through that, you can choose to look at the positive and to say, this is going to make me a better and stronger person if I go through this and endure this or I give up and or I become bitter and stubborn. And so knowing that there is always hope on the other side of a difficult season has gotten us through a lot of rough seasons. And that's so true. And I think our our story of turning our marriage around lies on the motto that really our business is built off of. And that is this. If you want to make a better marriage, you have to make a better you. And so by educating yourself on how to have healthy conversations around what should our sex life look like, or specifically with this, how do we talk about money without getting in these big fights? How can we talk about what money means to us? What does a healthy lifestyle look like for us financially? Where, where do we want to dream about in the next year? Like, what do we want to accomplish financially by the end of 2020 or moving on to five years from now? Where do we want to retire? So those types of questions, those, those questions are asked by successful and thriving question, uh, couples. I love how much fun Megan and Casey have talking about their struggles in marriage if we could all just be more real like that and share those not so glossy moments, because I think that's how we realize that we're all so much more alike than we are different. I know I took away a lot of wisdom that I went home and shared with Jeff because being in a relationship is work and you got to put in the work to make it work. But of course, you have to have some fun. It can't just be work. It can't be a chore. Okay, so you can check out everything Megan and Casey at marriage365.org or on social media at marriage365. And if you're dating or engaged, definitely check out their premarital course at happilyeverafter.org. On this podcast, we are changing the language around money to help everyone unlock the lives they want to live. And that is not just a slogan. Now that you're part of the movement, it's really up to all of us to invite others into this journey. So share this episode with a couple that you know, someone that you think is really ready to make life changes to better their relationship. Tell them why they should be listening to the Millennial Money Podcast and invite them in so we can all talk about money in a new, fun, and fresh way. Thanks for checking out this episode of Millennial Money. For all the BTS on today's episode, check out the show notes. Oh, and while you're at it, share this episode with a friend, share it with your coworkers, even share it with that cute barista who gets your name correct every time. Money mindfulness is something we could all use a little help with. So why keep all this knowledge to yourself? Remember, sharing is caring. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode.